fans, welcome back for another episode of The Tailgate Show. And we have the regular cast of characters, but we also have a special guest. In addition to Air Jair and B. Diddy, we have Mark Schofield. We're very excited to have joining the podcast. You, of course, know him from Twitter. You also know him from the Locked On Patriots podcast. And then he also does some great work with Pro Football Weekly. Oh, Bears fans should be very familiar with, of course, the uh, uh, brainchild and baby of Hub and Arthur Arkish. Um, so welcome to the show, Mr. Schofield. Gentlemen, a pleasure to be with you. Excited to talk about Mr. Trubisky and excited because, look, training camp is literally upon us. We can finally talk about actual football and not Madden ratings or God knows what else people have been talking about on Twitter the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been pretty dark uh, on Twitter. People are coming up with some wild topics. Uh, People are definitely uh, plumbing the depths of their uh, narratives and pulling out all their drafts uh, from Twitter and all their hot takes. And, and of course, you know, Madden has uh, been dominating of late. Uh, you, you know you're in the doldrums when that's really uh, getting the kind of run that it's getting. So uh, what's up, Jer? What's up, Diddy? How are you guys doing? Doing good, pretty man. good. Ready to jump into this Trubisky talk because Lord knows it's been hot. Hot, yeah, well, hot, it- hot takes. <laughs> Hotter than Cornhub hot. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, one of our favorite topics on the tailgate show is, of course, the corn. Um, and the corn, <laughs> the corn is popping, and so is the Trubisky talk. Um, you know, and, it's kind of convenient too, Mark, being a, an attorney. Because uh, court is in session with Trubisky on Twitter, man. It's either right. like you, you have the haters, you have the people that are way high on them, and people like myself that are in that wait and see mode. So yeah. it's uh, kind of polarizing. Yeah, I, that's the smart place to be, I think. I mean, I'll make my case for him in a minute, but I think the sort of conservative, cautious optimism is the way, place to be on him as we head into you know this upcoming season. Right, and I think the the biggest thing, and I think the smart thing that most Bears fans that have any kind of uh, sort of rational uh, thought process are putting him in context, you know, as a part of this team. Um, you know, it, it, it always comes back to the to the forefront when when people put out their rankings and their ratings and people feel that he's been disrespected. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but um, Brett Coleman put out a really nice uh, piece on him. And I thought it was very fair yeah. and 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 measured and, you know, really balanced. I mean, honestly, and I think it really, you know, um, kind of mirrors what a lot of Bears fans feel, which is that it's a tale of two Trubiskys. Um, you know, he, he can look a amazing at times and then he can look lost at times uh but i think the one thing that's great about him or at least that we are um sort of gravitating towards and are getting on board with is that unlike uh, his predecessor in in jay cutler he seems to remain the leader of the team regardless of his play and his circumstances he doesn't seem to spiral or or go down these um you know paths where you just feel like oh he's gonna fail and for whatever reason he does seem to get better as the game goes on which is the opposite of of jay so um you know we're gonna (laughs) it's hard to it's hard to talk about trubisky without bringing him up but i think it it, we will do our best to not (laughs) but just because i think that jay's been talked about uh for enough to uh to you know to last a lifetime so with that being said you know uh, why don't you jump into it and just kind of give us where you're at on him you know outlook and uh sort of where 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 things sit moving into this season 
Right. And as I said sort of a minute ago, I think cautious optimism is, is the right place to be with him. Because remember, we're talking about a quarterback that's entering his third year. And I think a good frame of reference to keep in mind are these next two points. First of all, Bill Walsh, who knew more about the quarterback position than I will ever know. He always said that a quarterback has to sort of figure it out by year three. Like that's sort of the time frame when you're looking at a quarterback developing in the National Football League. That's the time frame when they need to figure it out because if they don't get it by then, they probably won't. And so, A, he's entering his third year. So that's his, this is going to be a good sort of take stock kind of year for him because if he sort of figured it out, then great. If not, you could even push it to a fourth year because he'll be entering his third year under this system. And I think that is also an important distinction to remember because he's playing in a different system as a rookie, a system that was not suited for him. I think Matt Nagy is a very innovative play caller who's done some great things with Trubisky over the past year. He's shown confidence in him. He's shown an ability to come back to play designs to boost his young quarterback's confidence. I think about that Miami game when he missed Anthony Miller on a crossing route on a three-by-one early in the game. They came back to it in the fourth quarter, the same exact route design when they needed it. And he threw a touchdown pass on it, and that's how you get confidence in your young quarterback. So I think, first of all, the time frame, year three, it's a good time to take stock of where he is. The other thing to remember is we've seen data that shows quarterbacks in sort of their second year of a system, typically young quarterbacks enter in that second to third year that you see a boost in their production. And there's obviously recent history of that Jared Goff, for example. And so that's another reason why I think this is a year to be cautiously optimistic about Mitchell Trubisky. But then you look at sort of that competitive toughness angle. And I know it's, a touchy-feely type thing that matters at the quarterback position. Leadership matters. When you walk into that huddle, having 10 sets of eyes look back at you rather than at their cleats, that matters. Believe me, I've been in that situation where I walked into a huddle and I saw 10 sets of eyes looking at their cleats. That's a lonely place to be as a quarterback. But when you see him step up, like Brett pointed out in his video, like we saw in the playoffs, maybe he was rocky early, comes in the fourth quarter, comes in, gets them into position to win that game. You know, Their quarterback's coach said it. You know, he saw in his eyes that something special was going to happen when he took the field for that final drive. And he put him in position to win the game. Like that stuff matters to teammates. That stuff matters to coaches. And you're seeing him develop that confidence over the course of his season. That first game, that Sunday nighter against Green Bay, everybody watching that game, myself included, thought, okay, here we go. They're going to lose this one. Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers things. When they played Green Bay again, Trubisky said, no, not this time. Like you saw him sort of step up over the course of that game. That's growth over the course of his season that you sometimes don't see in young quarterbacks. He's a leader. He checks that competitive toughness box, and it does matter. So you put some of that stuff together. That's why I'm confident in him. Is there stuff that he needs to fix? Yeah. Are there things that concern me? Sure. But this box and these boxes that he checks, they matter. The athleticism matters. That ability to extend plays, that will help him as he develops over the course of the next season. So for a lot of these reasons, that's why I'm sort of cautiously optimistic on him entering his third season. Also, um, so what do you, what do you feel Mitch's weaknesses are? And are they things that are they things that you feel are correctable, easily correctable? Yeah, right. It's obviously a big question here as we sort of enter this next season, the things that I want to see from him are twofold. First, and I wrote this over Pro Football Weekly at the end of the season when I did sort of my year-end report card. If I was Matt Nagy, I would sit him down and say, look, this is your homework assignment over the winter and spring into summer. 
Fix your left foot. I don't care about anything else you do, reading playbooks, working out, whatever. Fix your left foot because that left foot is continually a problem for him. It was a problem dating back to his days at UNC. You would see him step into the bucket on throw, step well left of the target line, and it causes a problem. I'm not a huge guy on mechanics in the sense that they don't matter until they matter. That's how I've always viewed them. If you're getting the ball where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be there, I don't care how you throw it behind your head, around your back, between your legs, doesn't matter to me. But when you fail to put the ball where it needs to be and it's a mechanical issue, then you got to deal with it. And you can see it time and again with him where he steps left of the target line and it causes overthrows, it causes passes to sail on him, and they miss opportunities in the downfield passing game. And so I think he needs to fix that. And of course, look, you always have to get faster as a quarterback. There are still times last year when the reads were too slow. He was too slow to make up his mind. He was too slow at times to pull the trigger. He would stare down routes and lead defenders to the football with his eyes. But that's also a byproduct of one being young and two first year in a new system. You know, so now he's going to have another full off season in the same program. It's his show. He knows how to run it. Matt Nagy's a good play caller. They're going to work on the designs he likes to run. And so he will get sped up. That will happen. But those are the two areas, I think, that are really sort of holding him back right now. That mechanical left foot issue. And of course, the processes be that all young quarterbacks struggle with. Yeah, it's one of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, you talk about mechanics and I think you bring up a good point is that, you know, if like if Mahomes uh, ridiculous throws didn't connect, he would be getting, uh, you know, crap about his mechanics. You know what I mean? Because right. he's making these ridiculous behind the back passes and, and doing all these things. If they don't connect, then all of a sudden it becomes a whole different narrative. Yeah. So, you know, well, I, mean, I think that's that's a great example, you know, to bring up Mahomes like that, because if you remember sort of his draft process, there are a lot of people that said, look, he's going to need to fix his mechanics. He's going to need to sort of clean this up. You can't get away with throwing the ball like that. And I was literally that's when I came up with that whole phrase of they don't matter until they matter. It was when I was studying Mahomes because he was putting the ball where it needed to be, when it needed to be there. Was it impacted his placement? He was able to still excel as a downfield passer to all levels, really, even with his sort of lazy mechanics at times. I, I just thought that the arm talent surpassed that. It wasn't going to be an issue for him. With with Trubisky, we have seen it be an issue, and it is something he's going to have to clean up. You could still be successful. We saw it last year. Look, he had a good year last year. But if he wants to take that next step, if he wants to sort of live up to the expectations of being you know, a second overall pick of a guy that – nationally perhaps people think maybe holding this team back might be as some view him an anchor around this franchise which i disagree with but still that thought process is out there fixing the mechanics is going to be a big step towards shedding that label i think one of the weird narratives real quick is just that i've heard is that naggy you know schemes mitch's success and so that's somehow uh, a a a, a knock on Mitch. And, and that's one of the most like lazy narratives. I think yeah. like, what, what is he supposed to do? He only can run the plays that are called. Right. And every, you know, on the one hand you have people saying, Oh, we need this simpatico relationship between the coach and the, and the, and the quarterback. And then on the other hand, it's like, Oh, well he's only successful because you know, uh, of Nagy, it's sort of like, you know, they call Brady a system quarterback and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to tailor your system around your talent. Right. Right. So- Aaron. And how much time do you guys have? Because believe me, I could go off on this for a while because as you have, it's- no, 
Used to be. I'm the host of Locked On. I hear on, Tom on. Brady. Oh, we quarterback. Let's start with this. Every quarterback is a system quarterback, okay? Every quarterback that gets evaluated during their draft process, the scouts, the front office people, they will evaluate them for a scheme fit. I know this because I've worked with people that have been in those rooms. I took this scout and academy through Dan Hammond, a former NFL scout who now teaches people how to do it. You will look at every quarterback and put them through sort of a scheme fit lens. That's one part of this. The other part of it is this. Your job as an offensive you know, play caller, play designer, offensive coordinator is to then help your quarterback succeed, right? We talk about Tom Brady being a system quarterback. Well, one of the things that Josh McDaniels does for me is he helps them. They will use pre-snap movement. They will use motion. What does that do? It tells Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, what the t- coverage is going to be pre-snap. When they take their fullback, James Devlin, and flank him out by the numbers, and Tom Brady sees a cornerback walk over outside to them, he knows it's zone coverage. And so you're given arguably the best quarterback of all time help because you give that quarterback information before the play begins. He's going to be that much more successful when the ball is actually snapped. So this idea that, oh, a quarterback, is he's a system quarterback. He's not really that good because he's getting so much help from his offense. That's the offensive coordinator's job. It's to help him. And when you look at what Matt Nagy did with Trubisky last year, there are a lot of times early in games they would call designed runs. I think of that Tampa Bay game where Trubisky threw six touchdowns. They had a play on one of their earlier drives where they had sort of a, a – you know, inside zone read with a arc block, Trey Burton outside to the second level. So if Trubisky pulls it, he's got a lead blocker in front of him. He rips off a big run. Next play, he has a double move to Burton for a touchdown. It got Trubisky into the flow of games. Your job as an offensive coordinator is to help your quarterback. So you design things that cater to their strengths and you do things to get them into the flow of games. And sometimes Nagy would get Trubisky on the move, let him use his athleticism to get him into the flow of games. Helping your quarterback doesn't mean your quarterback is a system quarterback that's just an offensive coordinator doing his job so every quarterback is a system quarterback every quarterback has an offense that they are best suited to run now are some quarterbacks perhaps more diverse schematically sure but every quarterback has a system that they are tailored to run and if their offensive coordinator is doing his job they're going to have that system built in place around him so he could be successful now you mentioned you mentioned Brady and I, I kind of felt like in that playoff loss against the Eagles, like Mitch was and I'm not comparing the two, but that moment where your young quarterback puts you in position to win and all you need is your kicker to seal it, it would have been a huge moment for him in his career. Because Brady had right. that when he was younger. It was just like I felt like we were kind of just shorted there for Mitch, you know. For his con- like a, a boost to his and, confidence. You no, know, it's right. It's interesting, Brian, to do some revisionist history. Say Vinatieri misses the snow kick, right? And they lose to the Raiders. How different is Brady's career? I mean, you can make an argument that, you know, they have a home playoff game, they lose. Maybe Belichick goes back to Bledsoe. You know, maybe things turn out completely differently. And so to see Trubisky do what he needed to do to get his team into position to win that game and then sort of have it end the way it did, you know, you hope that they're able to build off of it and turn that into a positive because you'd hate to see it go the other way, like the sort of Brady hypothetical I just posited. But at the same time, to see a young quarterback right around the same time in the league, same league experience rise as Brady, you know, step up in that moment against the defending Super Bowl champions. When most people thought that, look, Eagles, they're going to make a nice little run. Most people thought Philadelphia was going to come and win that game. Sort of step up in that moment and make those throws. It's a big time throws on that final drive. That's impressive. And yes, they lost the game, but 
when you're talk, talking about and thinking about the growth and development of the young quarterback to step up in moments like that or the, the Packers game earlier that I talked about, that stuff matters. And it's going to matter next year when they're trailing at some point or maybe Trubisky makes a mistake. He's going to have that muscle memory to bounce back from it, which is so critical for a quarterback. And so, you know, it's a, it's a shame that it ended the way it did, but I still think that they're going to be able to build off of it. He's going to be able to build off it personally as a quarterback. The, the one game that I come back to is the Patriot game. You know, I really thought that was kind of a breakout moment for him as a player. I, yeah. I mean, it showed me that he has poise and it showed me that he has confidence and, those are the things that I go back to, and I just, I just can't imagine year three, not him not finding that, you know, maybe starting with that rhythm, which would be ideal for us Bears fans. I mean, you've right. seen every snap. I mean, he's progressed. I, I feel like he's this guy is the limit with this guy. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the the developmental path is there, and it is in place for him. And, you know, I, I'll be completely honest. I was not high on him coming out of UNC. He was my quarterback four in that draft, behind Watson, behind Mahomes, behind Kaiser. You know, I, I wasn't sold on him. But you see some of the things unfold in the National Football League that maybe we didn't quite see fully developed when he was at UNC. And, you know, the competitive toughness part is a huge part of that. I think when you look back, Jared, the Patriots game, you know, that was a strange game. We remember sort of how it unfolded. You know, Patriots, Patterson had the fumble on the kickoff return. You know, they go down and score. Then Michelle has the fumble. They go down and score again. It was a game that, you know, when the Patriots were able to claw their way back into that, you know, you might see some teams sort of fold up the tent, but they didn't. You know, and they come up basically a yard short. And you saw, you know, we've seen sort of Belichick stymied at times by running quarterbacks. This was another example of that. You remember that, what was it, a seven-yard touchdown run where he covered like 75 yards on the field, you know, because they couldn't get him yeah. down and goes right and then back to the left. You know, to be able to have a game like that, come down to the final play against a team that, you know, won a Super Bowl two years ago, was in the Super Bowl last year, ended up winning another Super Bowl. I mean, from a Patriots fan perspective, I could make the case that was probably their best road win until the AFC Championship game was that win in Chicago. You know, because the Bears gave them everything they had. Trubisky gave them everything they had. Nagy did some great stuff in that game. I loved it when they went on why ice two of them to the same side of the formation. That really puts defenses into a bind. That's one of Chicago's best formations, and they used it for a touchdown pass in that game. And so I think that was enough game sort of confidence built almost to a crescendo of the point of that game. You know, that comes down to, and that was, I think, you know, if you were to ask, you know, Bears player, that was a law they sort of built off of. And you can, same case, the Eagles loss is going to build off of. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think that, you know, there's really no such thing as a good loss per se, but I think that maybe was one um, yeah. where it just was like, okay, here's a guy that can that doesn't shrink on the big stage, that really um, doesn't seem to carry the mistakes onto the field, onto the next drive. He really exemplifies that kind of next play mentality. I mean, it sounds like a, a cliche and, and a bunch of coach speak, but – he seems to really do it. And, and, you know, I think all, all, you know, fans of teams have seen 
teams that just go into the tank when when something bad happens. And I think Bears fans, uh, probably more than most, have seen uh, their teams sort of fall into an avalanche of of failure. You know, and and you know, as you know, we saw Jay. It just seemed like when Jay was. You know, anytime Jay had the ball, you know, deep in his own end, you just felt like the pick six was coming. Um, and with Mitch, I mean, for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to be afraid of the big moment. He doesn't seem to shy away from it. And he seems to have that sort of short memory that you need, um, you know, to, to get the job done. Um, you know, and I think that was just. I mean, if, if the Bears had won that game, it would have been an amazing confidence boost. But even just the fact that they were right in that game um, was was a confidence boost in itself, um, especially because, you know, the last time the Bears had played the Patriots, it was an absolute just debacle. And it probably sealed the fate of, you know, Mark Tressman. <laughs> right. So, you know, to come away from that, you know, and, and at least – at least be in the fight. I mean, the bears were in the fight. They look like a legitimate team. And so that was, that was nice. I mean, obviously, um, you know, it, it's, it's the Patriots. And I think, you know, they, they seem to win those close games. You know, they, they, they are that, you know, that crafty veteran team that, that practices all the little things uh, because all the other things are basics to them. One of the most exciting things about this off season in front of what I'm heard is because now they're in the 202 or even the 303 stage of the offense, they're now practicing those things that Belichick practices, those weird scenarios, those fourth downs, those, you know, uh, two-minute drills, one-minute drills, 30-second drills, you know, stuff like that. They're not doing these rudimentary installs. And, you know, I think that's going to be a huge difference. And I think Mitch's biggest weapon – is going to be his own confidence this season. And if he can build on that and have that confidence, you know, uh, I think he can really, really, I don't, you know, and I, I don't think he has to be Mahomes. I think he just has to be a better version of himself. I think that's a great way to put it. Is he just has to be a better version of himself. And I think that idea about, you know, this is going to be year two in the system and this offense, obviously you're going to be able to sort of expand things because you won't have spent so much time installing this base, you know, like you said, one-on-one, two-on-one type of stuff. Now you can sort of move beyond what that playbook is in, into the realm of where you can be, where you can go as an offense, which I think is going to be critical for the development of this team. And Trubisky's continued growth as a quarterback. And I know the eerie parallels are there between the Bears and the Rams, but, I mean, this was sort of the model, right? You get the offensive-minded head coach, pair him with your young quarterback. What did the Rams do two years ago? They make it to the playoffs. People didn't see that coming, but they lose at home in the first round in their first playoff game. And the parallel continues there with Chicago. And, of course, the Rams make it to the Super Bowl last year. Now, I'm not predicting that they make a Super Bowl run, but – you could see that sort of trend line. Now, look, every team is going to have to face some questions. Every team is going to have some hurdles and there's some things to overcome. But with the way this roster is constructed, with some of the additions that they've made uh, another year in the system of Anthony Miller, I think he's going to be a huge boost for this offense as well. Some of the other additions you made at the running back position. I think this offense is set up to be good. And so even if this defense does take a step back, people have been sort of saying, well, you know, this team's walk could be as good because the defense will naturally regress. Well, the offense should get better, and that's going to even that out as well. And so I think this is a team that, you know, with Trubisky's continued growth, could certainly contend again for not just the division but beyond. I was about to ask you about the weapons surrounding Trubisky, what your, th- what your thoughts were 
concerning him. We're excited. I'm excited to see all the speed that they've surrounded him yeah. with, with adding Marvin Hall, adding uh, the Ridley kid. Looks like he's got some real promise. Uh, Anthony Miller, obviously. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I feel like the receiver battle in preseason is going to be a real bloodbath. Yeah. I don't know who's going to make it. I, I don't I mean, obviously, look, you, you know, guys like Robinson and Gabriel Miller are probably locks, but then beyond that, you've got some really good, interesting competition. I love that Emmanuel Hall kid. I mean, obviously studying Drew Locke, I got to see a lot of Emmanuel Hall. Yeah, he has a limited skill set. He's basically a vertical speed type guy. But those guys find a way to make rosters and make plays on NFL teams. And so I think, you know, he's something to keep an eye on. Ridley, I know a lot of people are excited about him. He got a lot of, say, first round buzz. You know, early in the draft process, fell off a little bit, market share, age, whatever the reason, he sort of slipped a bit. But to get him in the fourth round, I think was a tremendous find for Chicago. David Montgomery, a lot of people really excited about him. There's a reason why I keep my eyes and ears in the fantasy world, you know, because when people start to get buzz about a player from a fantasy perspective, it means that either they're hearing things or they've seen some things and the fantasy community is absolutely enthralled with Montgomery. And so I think you add those pieces around, he's going to have some weapons at his disposal. And the more that you can do in terms of stressing a defense from sideline to sideline and down the field, the better you're going to be. I mean, to add sort of a speed component to this offense, whether it's, you know, Hall or somebody else, or, you know, like you said, Marvin Hall could really be a huge boost for this offense because it sort of stresses is that defense down the field that opens up some throwing lands underneath it allows you to sort of design some things to exploit defensive coverage i think it's going to be a huge boost to this offense what do you think Nagy's going to do with Corderell patterson you know i think he's going to use him very similar to how the patriots used him you know if you think back to his time in minnesota there are a lot of people who cover the vikings who were vikings fans i thought look no don't force him to be what he isn't he's not a guy that's going to run precise routes he's not going to give you the full route tree use him as an offensive weapon you know, line him up at running back, use him on swing screens, on bubble screens, on jet sweeps, let him run a couple of routes. That's all you need for him to be a contributor to your offense. And they didn't do that in Minnesota, but you saw them do that with him in New England. You know, they used him on swing screens. They used him as a running back at times. They found ways to get him the football. They didn't ask him to run precise routes because that's not what he's good at. And that's, you know, one of the things that has made the Patriots such a successful franchise is, you know, when they look at sort of free agents, they ask, what can this guy do? And if it can help him, great. And they'll bring him in and ask him to do just that. They don't force them to be something they're not. Matt Nagy's a smart enough guy, smart enough offensive mind. I'm sure he's, look, he saw it up close last year what Patterson can sort of bring to the table as an offensive weapon. That's how they're going to use him. They're not going to ask him to say, look, we need you to run a precise dig route on this play. We need you to run a precise comeback route on this play. No, he's going to run a handful of routes, goes, maybe slants, maybe some comebacks, rough comebacks or curls, and then the rest of the other offensive gadgetry that they can use him with. Uh, you had mentioned the, uh, the other quarterbacks in the draft Trubisky was in. I was a big uh, Watson guy and um, yeah. So we, we go back and forth sometimes on the show because I'm the kind of person that puts a little stock go. in your overall draft value. We <laughs> traded up to get Mitch. We picked him second overall, and we passed on a guy like Mahomes. For for it to be, I mean, do you put anything in that, like as far as where a player's drafted, and should, should he be better than the guys that were drafted after him? Like it, we should expect a franchise QB here in my mind. 
I mean, I think that's sort of the way people generally view it. Like, look, you trade up to go get a guy in the first round. You expect him to be a franchise quarterback. And I think that's sort of a fair assessment. You look at, you know, the things that they could have done in that draft. You know, they could have stayed pat and drafted somebody else like a Mahomes, for example. But at the same time, like when you're sort of viewing the quarterback position as a whole, as a totality, you have to look at the rest of the franchise around it. And you sort of have to wonder you know, could Vince have gone the same way for Mahomes if he was drafted by Chicago? I mean, part of the reason Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes is because he's got Andrew Reid working with him. And Andrew Reid has sort of been, in, in, you know, open to the idea of Mahomes trying to get away with things. You know, letting him challenge the windows and practice to see what he can get away with. You know, if he walks into a situation like Trubisky walked into his rookie year, you know, maybe Mahomes isn't Mahomes. We, we just sort of don't know that. Or at the same time, maybe things break the same way and Matt Nagy somehow finds his way to Chicago anyway. I mean, that was certainly a possibility. And so, you know, you don't know how things would have played out. But at the same time, I think Trubisky is sort of makes sense for this franchise. I don't know that sounds weird, but I just, you know, I, I just saw the the clip of him, the, the, the image of him on the scooter and people were actually throwing up the Jim McMahon Honda scooter thing from years ago. <laughs> he does seem like he's sort of a Chicago bear type guy. And that does count for something, I think. And so, yeah, you don't look Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. I'm wearing a goofy Patrick Mahomes shirt at the moment. Look, he's fun to watch, but at the same time, I think Trubisky is going to be a quarterback that has the potential to be the franchise QB. You guys drafted when you traded up for him. I have a question concerning the uh, the four teams in our division. You know, I feel like, how do you feel about our offensive line compared to the other teams in our division? I feel like we're better suited to help support our quarterback maybe more than a Green Bay and a Minnesota and Detroit. Yeah, I think the offensive line has come together well. And part of the part of that answer also has to incorporate what Trubisky can do at the quarterback position and with his athleticism, because, you know, you can see at times where, you know, he has that ability to cover up mistakes that happen in front of him. Whereas say a Kirk cousins, you know, one of the books on him is he can't handle pressure. Well, he can't handle blitzes. He can't handle situations where he has to make throws under duress. At times Stafford has similar trouble. Look, we know what Aaron Rodgers can do, but that offensive line still has some things to figure out. I think this offense, line was a question mark going into last season. I think they've sort of figured it out over the course of the season. They've made some additions there as well. And so I think it's a nice cohesive unit that is obviously boosted by the fact that, look, if somebody misses a block, they know that it's not the end of the world because, you know, number 10 is going to find a way to sort of make something happen with this athleticism. And so that's a nice thing for an offensive lineman. If you are walking out to the line of scrimmage after the, you know, the huddle was broken and you're like, Man, look, I'm going up against the Vaughn Miller type on this play, and if I stumble, we're dead. You know, that's not that's a lonely place to be. But if you know that, look, if I miss a block here, it's not the end of the world because my guy can perhaps bail me out, that makes your job a little bit easier. And so I think that's a big factor here as well. Well, I think that's one of the things that maybe doesn't get talked about that much in terms of his development is early in the season, you saw him watching the rush uh, escaping at times where he maybe didn't need to escape, um, you know, stepping up sort of awkwardly. And I think as his offensive line figured things out a little bit and he started to get better at, you know, figuring out what they were going to do, uh, you know, they started to work together uh, as a more cohesive unit. And I think that's huge. I mean, I think they have to figure out what he's going to do, you know, um, and I think sometimes 
he was unpredictable in, in, in the worst kind of ways. And I think the biggest thing that I want to see is not necessarily that he all of a sudden becomes, you know, a guy who's throwing for four touchdowns and 400 yards every game is just does he get positive yards on third downs? Does he go out and give you a, a productive drive and keep the defense off the field, their own defense, you know, and does he kind of flip the field when is needed? Because there were so many times last year where the defense would make a big stop and maybe bail him out from a mistake. And then they would go right out and give the ball back or have a three play drive or, you know, maybe have a third and seven and get two yards, you know? And right. so that's what I want to see is, can he at least go out there, get a 30, 40 yard drive, flip the field, you know, get the defense some better field position to work with, you know, and just be consistent in that instead of it being, you know, one drive, he looks amazing. And the next drive, it's like, they're just lost. Yeah. And I, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there is consistency. And that might be the main thing that I think most people want to see from Tubisky because you, High variance was a word that, you know, some people have used about him, ups and downs, peaks, valleys, however you want to describe it. He has some good moments and he has some bad moments. You'd kind of like to sort of see some consistency across the board. And whether it's, you know, that left foot on his mechanics, whether it's, you know, his decision making, his processing speed, whether it's consistency in terms of sustaining some drives and not having these three and out situations like you just described, those will all be huge benefits for this team, for, for the defense, for the rest of the offense, in terms of getting points on the board, winning games. That's going to be critical to how this team fares in the year ahead. If he could be more consistent with quarterback play, you know, we're going to see the development we'd like to see from him, and we're going to see this offense be even better than it was last year. I kind of liken him to a pitcher in a sense where, you know, one of the things I I read in some of the scouting reports was that he's a a quarterback that can make all the throws and sort of has all the pitches, so to speak. But now he's got to figure out what are his out pitches, you know, what are his pitches that he can consistently throw for strikes and what's he, what's going to be his bread and butter. And I think that's the same thing that Nagy was figuring out all year is, okay, well, what is the bread and butter of this offense? I mean, he can obviously draw up any kind of play you want, you know, whether it be tricks or straight up or, you know, a million different things. But what I want to see them do is find their bread and butter, find their go-to. And I think towards the end of the year, you started to see him develop that with Allen Robinson and, you know, sort of trust his first read a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, that's what I'm hoping is that, you know, he, he trusts his, his reads, he trusts the receivers are going to be where they're supposed to be. And, you know, even though the, the window dressing can look really complex at the end of the day, like keep it simple, but make it look complex. You know, I think right. like I brought up on the show a few times, you know, about how the Patriots won the Super Bowl was that they just kept running the same play. <laughs> you know, they just kept running the same play. They flip it to the other side of the field. But it's like, I love the way Belichick does that. He just says, you know what? I'm going to run this play until you prove that you can stop it. And, and you know, they went, whatever, three tight ends set and just, you know, ran that right down the field and, they, and the Rams couldn't stop it, you know? And so that's what I like to see is us find that, that that set or that scheme that you know is really really we just say okay this is our bread and butter and then kind of work out of that yeah and you know that was hoss wide juke a sort of staple of the patriots playbook where you've got the two hitch routes on each outside seam routes with the two slot receivers and and i'm gonna run that juke route over the middle they ran it three times out of a two tight end set two running backs on something they hadn't done all year and you know, i think near the 
you know, curl design where you have curl routes side, the flat routes, and then a sit route over the middle from the tight end. They would go to that to sort of start some drives, and they would be able to, like you said, use some mirror, some window dressing where they do it out of different formations. They'd run it out of three-by-one as opposed to two-by-two. And those sort of mirrored route concepts are a great way to get a younger quarterback some comfortable, easy reads because he knows, look, I see this coverage look. I'm reading it to the left. I see this coverage look. I'm reading it to the right. I get sort of a man coverage look, and I like the matchup. I can throw that sit route over the middle to Trey Burton. And so that feeling out process of coach and quarterback was underway. But I do think sort of to your point, by the end of the year, they sort of found at least that one play. They could scheme it up different ways and find a way to sort of get him back into that rhythm or get him into a rhythm like I was talking to earlier. So now they'll have things like that. They can expand things like that. They love that sort of four verts with the, out of a three by one with that bending route from right to left with either Gabriel or Miller. So, you know, they're in the process of uncovering those plays and they'll have more of them ready to go, I think, as the season rolls on next year. So I'm at a place right now with uh, Mitch where it's it's really getting to the point where there's no excuses. Like with Jay for years, we always came up with excuses. It was the O-line. It was the O-C. It was, I mean, this, this guy's surrounded by four former quarterbacks on our coaching staff. He's got weapons everywhere. Depth like I've never seen at wide receiver. Good, stable running backs. Um, I just feel like it. It, everything's set up for this kid. I've never seen a quarterback set up this well in Chicago. Um, how do you how do you feel about like? Do you think it's there's not really a lot of excuses? It's pretty much on his shoulders. Is that kind of a feeling you have too? Or yeah, I mean, look, they, they've obviously sort of put him in a position to be successful now because they they've added pieces around him. They've added talent around him. Now they're in sort of the, the right offensive scheme and set it in. This will be a second year in that. So you do sort of expect to see the growth and development. So, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, there will always sort of be ways to come up with excuses. There will always sort of be things that don't go your way that you can say, well, you know, we weren't expecting that kind of read or we didn't get this kind of matchup that we were expecting or look, guy just didn't make the throw. I mean, there, there are always things that you can sort of come up with where they didn't get a block or anything like that. But at the same time, look, he's in a position to be successful this year. And it's sort of that, like I, I think we've used the phrase sort of put up or shut up type year, take stock type season. I think this is kind of it for him. I'm optimistic that he's going to meet the expectations because of what we've seen in terms of his development and the ways that they've handled him and what Maggie Nagy has done for him and how he's handled play calling with him to boost that confidence, to get him into grooves, to get him running things that he's familiar with and that he can execute well. And so, again, I'm optimistic on it. But, yeah, I mean, look, if he takes a step back this year, if we start seeing regression and we start, you know, that left foot continues to be an issue or he can't get fast enough to make his reads, then there might be cause for concern. But I'm not worried about it yet. One thing I would say, and maybe I'm not sure if you agree with this, is that I didn't see a ton of defenses do specific things that caused him trouble. I saw more him causing his own trouble, you know, um, in a sense. I mean, obviously the defense always has something to do with it, but I don't recall seeing, you know, uh, until probably the Eagles game where they really, um, they kind of spied him a little bit. And that was partially because Burton was injured uh, and they talked about it. They talked about the linebacker who was supposed to, you know, uh, be covering Burton basically was allowed to move over to, um, you know, Tariq. And, and they were able to really spy Mitch and kind of keep him in the pocket. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really see a lot of defenses do anything that particularly was 
causing him a lot of troubles. I just kind of saw, you know, what we talked about, which is the inconsistency and, you know, the, the scheme was working, the, the plays were working. He just wasn't always hitting them or he wasn't his, his base and his, you know, you talk about his left foot and his, and Brett Coleman talked about his hips, you know, weren't quite there. And I think a lot of that is just gips and, and, you know, lack of confidence, but I don't know. Do you feel like defenses are going to, are going to watch all this tape and come up with, you know, uh, a scheme to beat Mitch, kind of like how they came up with schemes to beat Kaepernick after Kaepernick had his sort of breakout year and, and whatnot. Yeah. And I think sort of, it might start with spying him more. I mean, you know, you mentioned that, that the Eagles did some of that. I mean, you could go back to their game against the Jets in week eight and one on their first possession or so of the game, they had a third and three situation. He saw a spy and it sort of flustered him a bit. Um, and I I actually wrote in my notes, which I've got in front of me, that he's going to need to have to come up with some answers from when he sees spy situations. Because, you know, as a quarterback, especially an athletic one like him, there are times when you think third and short, you know, if nothing's there, your first or second reads aren't there, you can just get it with your legs. But now you've got a spy to contend with. It's going to take away that. Yourself and make a read and a throw. He's going to have to be ready for that. And, you know, that's sort of one of the things to remember with Trubisky that athleticism. Susan has, it can be a double-edged sword with him because there are times as a quarterback where if you think I can just outrun everybody and make a play with my legs, you're not going to go through what you need to go through in terms of your read progressions and getting the ball out. There are also going to be times when, and we saw it with him, when he gets those feet moving, a lot of mistakes he threw. The early interception after a turnover against uh, Seattle in week two, and one of those set-reset throws where his feet were moving when he was trying to get the ball out, his feet aren't set, and the ball placement is just wildly off, and he underthrows one of them gets picked on a vertical route. And so that athleticism has been for him a double-edged sword at times. It's a great weapon to have. I would like to see him sort of tamper it a bit. A, because you're going to see more spies, and so you're going to have to sort of make those reads and throws. And B, it sort of led to some poor placement issues because of that set-reset issue with his feet at times. Well, and I'd like to see him run to throw, you know, and, and escape out to throw. And then I think a, a development issue for his receivers and especially his tight ends is what do they do when the play breaks down? And I think that was something that was lacking uh, from a lot of the receivers other than maybe Anthony Miller. And actually we brought up Ben Broniker was one that, that actually seemed to do some good sort of fire drill type of oh. stuff. And oh, Ben Broniker. Yeah, that's oh, Jer's favorite. That's Jer's favorite guy. That's my local guy, man. Don't be dogging him now. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I, that's the next level of development that I think is important is, you know, are these guys going to drift with him, fall, find holes in the zone, you know, be in those spots, or, you know, or is he even going to look? Because a lot of times I don't think he was ever looking. He just knows I'm fast, I'm going to get to the edge, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day he's got to stay healthy because – you know, if they had, if he had played those other two games, then chances are they win those other two games. You know, and then we're yeah. talking about a different playoff scenario entirely. So I hope right. he runs a whole lot less. I don't want to see him getting 400 yards rushing anymore. Yeah, I don't think Matt Nagy wants to see that. I, I think you'd like to see like maybe half of that and just running when he needs to be, but keeping those eyes downfield, which is such a tough thing to do sometimes as a quarterback because you're running around there to save your life. Um, you're trying to look for escape routes rather than throws downfield, but that's when big plays can happen. 
and so sort of solidify the scramble draw rules for the receivers and the tight end so they know, look, you know, it's hard to get on the same page as your quarterback. When you're running your route, you turn around and you don't know where he is. You got to pick him up and then try to mirror him. It can be tough, but again, it gets back to the earlier point that you had, Aaron, about now they're in the 301 level course, right? So you've covered the base stuff. You know you're going to be running offensively. You don't have to worry about day one installs type stuff. You start working on these little things that maybe come up two or three times over the course of the game, but they can mean the difference between extending a drive or having a punt on fourth down. What do you think that something bears can look to? I don't know how, how, how much you're into stats sort of being an indicator or a barometer of success necessarily, but, but if you had to pick, a stat line or something for bears fans to watch and say, okay, if this improves, it's a good sign, you know, other than sort of the, the more um, esoteric aspects of his game, you know, what do you look at and say, okay, this is a stat or this is a, you know, something that's real tangible that he can improve. I mean, in terms of stat lines, obviously you always want to see interceptions cut down. Like, what do you have? Twelve last year. You'd like, you don't want to throw more than ten. I think interceptions are going to happen. I mean, look, in the AFC Championship game, Tom Brady threw some bad interceptions. They still won that game. He could have more interceptions, but some were his fault. The one in the end zone was. Some weren't. One went through Edelman's hand. So they're going to happen. But you'd like to see the interceptions cut down. I've become a believer over the years in adjusted net yards per attempt. Uh, I think that's a good gauge of overall quarterback play. You know, and last year he was what? 6.59, which was 16th in the league. That's good. I'd like to see him creep up into the top 12 or so. Uh, now, obviously that will also be dependent on what other guys are doing, but I think getting his adjusted net yards per attempt into that seven range would be a good, pretty good spot for him. Seven last year would have been a top 10 quarterback. Um, so I think that that's a good thing to look for as well. But I do think it's mainly the interceptions. I don't care so much about completion percentage because in an offense like what they're running, it's going to be kind of inflated anyway. There's going to be a lot of designed reads and throws. So I'm not too worried about completion percentage. But I think it's getting those interceptions down, boost that A and Y a bit. Those would be some things to look for as he sort of gets through, you know, into this next season. But as you're just watching him, you know, the eye test, is he getting the ball out on time and in rhythm? Is he hitting that third step and is dropping the ball is coming out? Or is he starting to linger? Or is he hitting stuff that I want to see from active? In the ball, being in his reads, that's going to be huge for him next year. Okay, I'm going to play a little name game with you in the division. One game to win. I'm going to go Cutler. Or I said Cutler. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. I mean Kirk Cutler. I mean Kirk Cousins. Or Mitchell David Trubisky. I mean, sitting here right now, one game to win. I would go with Trubisky because of what I've seen over the past two years and how those two teams use their quarterbacks. I mean, Cousins is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But I think that Trubisky has a little bit something extra where whether it's his legs handling pressure, you know, Cousins struggles with that. Trubisky does at times, but he has the athleticism to at least escape and give you that extra option. So I would go with Trubisky in that situation. All right. What about Stafford? That's the next one. I know where I pretty much know where you're going with the, the last one. Yeah. Well, the last one, we don't 
know where I'm going with that one. Stafford's also a tough one. I think sitting here right now, I sort of trust Trubisky more than Stafford. And I'm look, I'm, I liked Stafford. I got in trouble a couple of seasons ago when I was ranking quarterbacks and I had Stafford above Matt Ryan from a trait-based perspective. And Atlanta fans wouldn't let me sleep for the next three weeks, which is fine. Look, they're, they're going up for their boy. I get it. You know, and I'm sort of a Stafford believer, but at the same time, I like what Chicago has in place around Mitchell Trubisky. I like what Trubisky has seen, so I would go Trubisky there. And obviously, you can ask Rogers. Go with that one, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's still yeah. number 12. I mean, like, he's, yeah, I mean, they finished third in the division last year. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, they, they get I mean, we were talking about out, uh, offensive coordinators that help out quarterbacks. I mean, maybe if uh, if Aaron Rodgers had one that that helped out, you know, helped him out a little more, and he had to do less improvising, you know, maybe we'll see. I mean, that'll be an, that's an interesting thing to watch is how Lafleur um, yeah. and him mesh together. I think that's going to be going to be something that uh, you know we'll have to keep an eye on. Um, but but. Thanks so much, Mark. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank uh, you, man. Keep you too much longer, but you're always uh, uh, great to talk to. Um, you know, everybody, please uh, follow his work on Twitter. Um, give me your handle on Twitter, Mark. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me. It's always a blast being on. You guys do such great work. Um, at Mark Schofield on Twitter, easiest way to follow the hijinks. Um, hope to be covering Trubisky again. You can look for the Bears preview magazine for Pro Football Weekly. Should be hitting newsstand soon. I got a piece in there about why I'm optimistic on him, which will be a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight. But again, thanks for having me, guys. Good luck this season. Thanks awesome. a lot, man. You're a pro's pro. We appreciate thanks, you. Mark. Thanks, guys. Have a good, good one. All right, you too. That was hot fire. That was yep. real hot fire. Those are stuff, man. Boom. <laughs> that was good stuff. Absolutely. Interesting how he broke down Trubisky with the hips and everything, and he kept it really real. He didn't. He didn't fanboy it like you know I'm. I'm guilty of at times, and I thought yeah, it was. Yeah, but the uh, thing is, he clearly likes him. Yes, clearly. I mean, that's that's what's cool is that. Not as much as AA does now. Whoa, easy there, fella. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as I like him, uh, sometimes I just have to play devil's advocate over over you because you love to go to the well of hate. Oh, <laughs> here boy. we go. I, I specifically <laughs> remember somebody, the Tebow BS. Yes. Oh, the the roboticness in his interviews, like, and that was all 100% accurate, man. I add. It, it's it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. It's, of course it has, but. <clears throat> Let's just get into it. Number one. Oh, you talk really about want, oh, the mics are hot. Yeah, let's go. We're hot. We ain't, we ain't taking no breaks. We'll mm-hmm. stop. Here's my thing. You talk about what if the Bears have taken Mahomes, right? So let's think about it. Let's think about Mahomes with John Fox and not with Matt Nagy because <clears throat> Schofield brought it up. Mahomes got to be with Andy Reid, but who else did he get to be with? Matt Nagy. So, you know, if you put Mahomes with freaking Fox and, you know, the little the little engine that couldn't, you know, our boy um, and that and those weapons, I mean, the, the the trash weapons that 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 he had, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know that we're talking about 
um, you know, the type of talent that necessarily transcends a bad coach, a bad offensive coordinator, terrible weapons to just be so great. I mean, you're talking about Mahomes who got to sit for a year and then got put into a perfect situation after being coached up by, you know, uh, one of the top quarterback coaches in the game and uh, the top head coaches in developing quarterbacks in the game and then dropped into a roster that had, you know, top flight weapons. So I just think it's, it's not fair to compare those scenarios you know, because let's remember the health of the organization when the Bears drafted Mitch. And, I mean, you know, there's been plenty of times where quarterbacks with a great amount of talent went into bad situations and they didn't amount to anything. Yeah, That's- and I'm no, I'm no expert on breaking down film and not, not claiming to be, but when I, I, I was wrong on Mahomes. I, when I saw Mahomes' college tape, I thought Cutler. And you also had to the whole Texas Tech thing usually – you know, it, I, I saw Cutler, I saw a high a high risk gunslinger, and I just didn't think Pace would even consider that after dealing with Jay. But right. You're, you're right. He was at a better place where Reed's had a quarterback like Favre where he knows how to hone that in, that, that risk taker. So that was definitely a perfect spot for him. I was more of a Watson guy in the draft. But you, you talk about weapons. Mitch right now is actually surrounded better than Mahomes, in my opinion. Like they're absolutely weapons. Absolutely. Let's go. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey it would be the best receiver on the Bears right now. If okay, one. I'm talking okay. about the whole roster. So, all right. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, let's you know, you want to go down the list. Let's talk about I, the running backs. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Okay, well right now. I, well, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think I think right now, but I don't I, can, I don't think you could say that previously. Well, last... And even the de- the defense, like I think Mitch has more talent around him on this team than Mahomes does right now. It's possible. I mean, I think I think you I think that the Chiefs are not going to get better this season. I think that they're still going to be a very competitive team. Will probably win 11, 12 games, but I don't think they're going to. Um, you know, I, I think that they have definitely a bigger They've, got a, de- they've, they've got a decline coming. Well, Hill's going to get suspended. I mean, the, I'm factoring that into the equation here, too. He's probably going to miss half the season. Maybe, yeah. It'll probably be six games, and it'll get cut down to four. I mean, there, you know, without getting too far into that, there was some talk that, you know, there was an element of setup to that whole thing, and now they're talking about, you know, they're, whatever. They're talking about different stuff. But you're right. I mean, you know, let's... On paper, the backfield of the Chiefs, of Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde, I mean, I don't know, you know. Let's talk about our running backs. Right. But our running backs are also very unproven. And and I would say to some degree, so are theirs. So I would say that's a push with maybe a slight edge to the Bears. Um, you know, the tight end clearly goes to the Chiefs. Um, Tyreek Hill, man. Tyreek Hill, Hill is a monster. Tyreek Hill, I mean, Tyreek Hill kind of counts as a running back and a wide receiver, even though mostly he's a wide receiver. They do have the, one of the best fullbacks in the game, Anthony Sherman, um, <clears throat> you know, who's really good. Um, their, you know, their offensive line, I mean, 
they're picking up a lot of guys from the Browns, which is always a bad plan, in my opinion. <laughs> this, this is well documented that my feelings on Browns trash, <laughs> stay away from it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately the Chiefs and, and, and Mahomes, this is going to be a big test. You know what I mean? Can he can he build upon success? You know, um, I mean, it's a lot of coaches talk about this, but I always kind of remember when Tressman talked about it is that managing success is important. And I think it is, you know, um, and I think that's one of the good things that Nagy's doing right now is, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to hang your hat on about 12 and four and losing in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. There's no trophy. There's no parade. There's, you know, there's nothing that that's, that's great, but it, it really means nothing. Well, unless it, seems, you, it seems like there's a lot of disrespect actually. Oh, sure. It, is there though? Hey man, like I know Twitter's getting all riled up. We finally had a good season, but we finally had a good season with the last place schedule. I'm just, I'm just taking it from I the national, that. the national media's He's, perspective. Just whip it out and piss all over it. Why no, don't you? No, it's, it's a ahead. devil. It's just playing devil's advocate here. I'm a Bears fan. I'm pumped up. I think we could be anybody in the league. I'm, I'm all about thinking. You know what? We're going to the Super Bowl. We're winning it I, from my fandom. But you got to take the outside looking in to the national media. It's they've always crapped on us. And it's always it's the Bears, no big deal. They played a lot. These are the excuses I'm sure they're using. They played a last place schedule. Uh, they they got a coach that, that missed the play that was last in the playoffs in 2010 prior right. to this. So it's not right. like it, and you know, it's, it, to us we had a huge season, and it was a right. huge season. It was the best season, uh, one of the best seasons I've ever had in my life as a Bears fan. But we lost very early in the playoffs. And it's just to the national media, they've always crapped on us. They probably think that, you know, Nagy came in inspired. It's going to wear off. Shit's about to get real with Mitch. Everybody hates on Mitch. You know what I mean? So I don't like it. It, it does feel disrespectful, but that, that's how they view us. We, until, we just got to keep doing our thing and, and keep grinding and hopefully have start stacking seasons like this. I personally love it. I'm, I'm oh yeah. Disre- the more disrespect, the better. I hate I mean, being over. I hate being highly. That, like the last thing I want to hear is, you know, I'm I'm glad we're not like the Cowboys, where the Cowboys have one good season, and even though they haven't been to the playoffs since like Friends was on television, you know, they they freaking get get crowned every season. It's like, oh, the Cowboys are back. America's team is back. Dak Prescott's the greatest thing ever. You know, like. Look at Vander Ash is the best linebacker in the world. Look at Sean Lee, who's played like six games in the last four seasons combined. You know, like they they get the hype train rolling like nobody's business. And there's been a hype train rolling with the Bears locally. But if 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 everybody wants to think that the Bears suck around the rest of the country, oh please be my guest. I will fuel that fire. I will. I love. I, will smoke I love those coals. Yeah, absolutely, and and the whole Madden rating that was a big thing on Twitter. But yes, so I looked we up. We need to like, play a QB name game with that because some of that is just yeah. But you know what? Trash. You, you can edit the freaking attributes, man. You can make Mitchell no, ninety nine if you want. <laughs> like as a base, you're you're gonna take. Well, Jackson so so like I was saying, the national view, no. the na- the national view, right? It, it I just kind of looked up where Mitch ranked, like league ranking and certain stats and QB rating was 16th passes completed was 19th touchdowns was 15th passing yards was 20th longest pass was 26th uh, yards per catch 18th 
completion percentage 14th and he's tied for 17th with game winning drive. So with people without watching and seeing the, the emotional impact he had on this team and the leadership he brought to this team, it's kind of like with when we had Jay and it was the body language experts. They're not, they're not seeing the impact. They don't watch all the bears games. They're just looking at stuff on paper and, and it's frustrating to us. He's our boy, but it is what it is. It's just, there's always been a stigma about Chicago nationally. Well, and like, that you're right. And then, but I think the thing about Madden ratings, and I don't put too much stock in them. I haven't played Madden. No, hell no. I haven't played Madden in forever, but they have to, no matter what, all those different scores have to play into the overall score. So they have to shave them off somewhere. And I think sometimes they just get a little lazy with it. Oh, you know they should have I mean? rated him like, like 80, I think. They, they got it wrong. Yeah, definitely. But, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know that they're necessarily comparing um, them the way that the fans and the players end up doing and saying, oh, well, you know, we're doing Mitch. And, and, then, and then afterwards are they asking, well, is Mitch really worse than Lamar Jackson? They don't think that way. They just look at the attributes. They put the attributes together. They get the overall score. And then I think if they, you know, feel a certain type of way, they might shave off a little bit of this attribute to get that overall score down. And then obviously – there's going to be updates. I mean, it's fluid. You know, that's the cool thing. Uh, about I hate that word, Pace and Fox, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. But but it is fluid. Everything's fluid. And, and, and that's the cool thing about Madden nowadays as opposed to, you know, when the game used to be, you know, whatever, 10 years ago, that was it. <laughs> I mean, the game came out. You know, yeah, you might be able to adjust them yourself. But, you know, I mean, who's going to be realistic about that? If you want to play the Bears, you're going to make Mitch all 99s and you're just going to roll with it. You know? Yeah, I buy a Madden every year. And this year I'm protesting. I'm not going to buy it till Black Friday because his ratings like, will be up by then. And it'll like be half Keen- price. You're like Keenan Allen. <laughs> Do you see that Keenan Allen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he went. He broke it down. He was like, he's talking about, yo, you say my intermediate routes are this and my deep routes and <laughs> my speed. Well, <laughs> like you said, they update. So there's going to be guys that are ranked way too high that are going to fall. And I'm right. going to watch my quarterback climb all year long. And just like everything else with the bears, whenever you take a stance that, that riles up the fan base, it is great for business. Oh yeah. The bears are the most bet on team in Vegas this season. Nobody, everybody's placing money on the bears. I mean, this is a fan base that, you know, you've awakened a sleeping giant. And so everybody, whether it's Peter Bukaki or it's, you know, <laughs> uh, you know uh, the, the Madden support guys are making a cheap, tawdry living off of crapping on the bears and trolling the bears. Fans. You just went fucking Bukaki. That's great. Hey, you know what? I mean, <laughs> For sizzle on the jizzle. Big popcorn on the corn hub. You know what I'm saying? That and I don't, cop. I don't like the hate. I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. No. I just, I just understand. I've dealt with it my whole life as a Bears fan, so it's, it's, I embrace it. And, and and I, but I feel like, and I think you've mentioned this that there are a lot of people who are super, super high on him, and I don't see too, too many of those people. I don't see too many people who are you know, anointing this kid, um, you know, obviously the, there was a big, there was a lot made of his, his uh, odds to win the MVP coming out and then dropping due to the, to the betting, you know, I mean, I think the thing that and people always want to talk about Vegas and betting and things like that, that, those lines are set to, in, 
cite action. Yeah. You know, not I don't, it's necessarily what they think is going to happen. You no, know, there's they, just a lot of T.O. that's my quarterback. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. Quarterback. But, but, but that's also, quarterback, man. I mean, you know, I mean, Bears fans do that. I mean, oh, yeah. and especially with a guy who shows this kind of promise and, you know, he's a good kid and blah, 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 all the things about him that are very likable. Oh, it's going to lead to that, you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to lead to that. I mean, at the end of the day. And I think what I'm glad about is that he has broken out of his robotic shell because I think the criticism that I made of him last season was very accurate. You know, he was robotic and his answers were very stock and, you know, kind of boring. And I didn't like hearing him talk. I didn't want to hear him talk after the games. It got frustrating. Like, I was just like, I don't want to hear this guy, you know, have the same monotone, you know, responses to things. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I don't know if it was the six touchdown game against Tampa or like what it was, or he came out in the Dicka sweater or, you know what, but he just kind of was like, you know what, I'm going to just really embrace the be me thing and I'm going to be myself. And obviously winning helps. <laughs> it allows you to, you know, to, to, to get away with that. But he kind of just came out of his shell and it's been nice to see. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, he's a kid that is driven to be really, really, really good. I mean, you know, I came across and I, um, you know, I, I shared it with you guys. Um, I, for whatever reason, I was listening to the All Access podcast. It just, it skipped me to, to the podcast that um, Thayer and Joniak did with him prior to last season. And just to hear the way he talks about things prior to last season as the way he talks about things prior to this season is, is very different. Um, but one of the things that I think was so great about what he talked about last season was all the different things he was doing to study how to be a leader, you know? Um, and, I, and there were people that were like, uh, that brought that up and almost brought it up in a negative way. Like, Oh, look at this dumb, you know, this douchebags reading leadership books and, this, that, and the other, and it's like, well, you know what? Like, at least he realizes you're supposed to be a leader because we've had plenty of quarterbacks who didn't even think that that was their job as the quarterback. So at least he realizes that that is his job, and he's taken it upon himself, you know, to learn. And and I think oh. that's something you have to do. And so, it, you know, I, I recommend people listen to that. It's from last year. You know, he has a lot of really um, good things to say, and then he talks about, you know, um, the offense and, and all these different things and, and what he's looking forward to. And just to hear him now and how confident he seems and, you know, it's just another sort of sign of growth. Oh yeah. And I, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I fully expect him to be, I fully expect him to be great. It's just, we, I've been here before and he has a ton of potential and I'm just kind of like, I'm sitting back and waiting and watching. Like we, when we were at the 100 year, I was, yeah. I bought, I bought the, I was trying to pick out what authentic jersey I wanted to buy. Cause I didn't, I usually just get knockoffs when they're sewn in. I'm not going to pay that kind of dough, but I was like, you know, what's 100 year. I want to kind of get one here. I'm like, I'm not ready for like another rookie. I looked at Montgomery and I'm like, I'm not ready to, to buy another rookie Jersey. Um, and I just, just not yet with Mitch. Like, I think he's going to get there to, to great levels, but I hear you. And I also I kinda... ended up getting, I think Peyton and Mac, but. And I'm not a huge Jersey guy, as I've said, but, but I also, oh, yeah, Jer- Jersey's a whole nother thing. You're rolling the dice there. 
Yeah, you know? but I but I also don't like to jinx things by buying jerseys too early. Even, mm. I mean, that's what that's I'm saying. The, but if that's the case, I mean, obviously a million people have bought Mitch's jersey. I mean, so it's not. You I've know. got a I've got a crate full of just bears bears regret jerseys, man. Well, how's, that, how's that Kevin White looking? Oh, Cutler White. What Cutler? You, it's no, you can wear a Cutler jersey. You can, you can be respected for the six. It's just not popular. Yes. If you turn I, I it, mean, yeah. if you turn it over and make it a nine and put gold on the back, which is a whole other subject. Oh yeah, we're gonna get into. We should get into that in a minute. But, but personally, and I was actually surprised I didn't see more Cutler jerseys at the 100. Um, Jay should have been there. I mean, I no, no, oh, it would have been epic. I don't think they wanted him there. I don't, I don't think any, I don't think anybody that wasn't there was a total mistake. Maybe except for maybe Thomas Jones, but that's another, that's another topic. Hey, Erlacher made it to family feud. That was nice to see. Yeah. Oh, couldn't make it to the bears. Too. 100. Yeah. Know, could it just put a, could it just put a diaper on and show up? Yeah. Couldn't <laughs> Cork in the keister and freaking go out there and wave, wave <laughs> for 10 minutes. I mean, like, what were they going to make him run wind sprints? Like they were going to, you know, like, I mean, I don't even think he was going to sign. I think he was literally just going to like make his appearance like on stage. He didn't really even have to do anything else. Couldn't make it out anyway. But, you know, I don't think there's any shame in wearing a color jersey. I'll say that. And yeah, just er, Erlacher was a great person to meet in person. I met him twice. So, like, I, I'm not going to – he was great with the fans. Yes, and he's great. I, for By all accounts, I think he's a great guy for the most part. I think that was a weird PR choice, but it is what it is. Maybe he was that sick. Maybe he really couldn't get out of the house. I mean, that's happened, you know. He ate uh, Jer's five – I was to say, had some bad chicken, huh? Jer's five-alarm uh, chili – no, mm-hmm. or that that fried blow, blow. yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah that bad, bad, bad batch of meatballs. You never know what might happen. Oh, Ew. so <laughs> you brought up something that I think is worth talking about right now is that our boy mm-hmm. Robbie Gold finished his little soap opera with a big finale in which he signed a big fat contract. With the San Francisco 49ers, which apparently is very close to his family, as it turns out, um, that he really so wanted to be near. Uh, and, uh, you know, I may have got some crap for this on Twitter, but I feel a little bit used. I'm not going to lie. I feel like he played us. Um, and kudos to him because it's all about leverage, you know. Um, but I just don't think he needed to go to that level. Of of putting all these videos of him kicking field goals and you know and all this. I'm in Chicago. Look at me kicking right. Chicago at the golf yeah. course. Yeah, but how yeah. much does that matter to the teams involved? Like it's just fans. It mattered to a fan base that showed the, that showed him love. Yeah, but we don't impact signings. Don't think. No. Mm, ah, come team. on, man. You think Ryan Pace is looking at Twitter and saying, "Oh, it looks like the fans really like want to have Robbie back. We're gonna make it happen." <laughs> like, no, but there on. was no, an overwhelming what? sentiment, John, not Justin. But he had I to mean, answer. It was, he had to answer was, questions about it. Yeah, but yeah, we're, talk, like, we're talking about stuff on Twitter. Pace is a guy that's been thinking about it six months in advance. Do you know what I mean? They they, they they're on a different level than we are. 
when it comes to that well, stuff. Well, either way, either way, he didn't have to toy with our emotions like that. Yeah, right. And 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 you know, I mean, I get you know, good for him. He got paid, although he's barely making more than Cody Park. He got, which I think is worth noting. I don't know why you're writing him off. I'm still holding out hope that it makes it easier to trade for him now that he has a contract <laughs> developed. So no I'm not. Way. I am not letting go. I'll always I mean, remember that kick against Seattle, Robbie. I think I think uh, Michael Knaus or Knaus uh, at thirty four sweetness on Twitter made a good point um, because I said I feel used by Robbie Gold. He said just stop. This was and has been the deal all along from the beginning. You said you want a long term contract or to go. I'm still certain he'd rather play in Chicago. Sometimes it's not the player's choice. Want to blame somebody? Blame the Bears. We let him go. I mean I think that's a good point. Yeah, I was trying you know, to have my Titanic saying goodbye to Robbie. That's moment. what I was just waiting for the Titanic music. <laughs> it, it's over. It's over. So the question that's been asked all week is, is the Bears kicker of this season on the roster right now? or yeah, Absolutely. It's Pinero. You had a Gator in, in Chi-Town. You had a that's Gator true. in Chi-Town coming out to hey. check out ADP's training camp, and they freaking catch his ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it took him like five days to catch him. He was trying to go to he was trying to go to training camp. Support, chance, support his Gators, you know what I mean? Our boy, the chance the snapper in Humboldt Park. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think Eddie P is going to put it down. We'll see. Uh, you know, our boy Greg Braggs was on uh, Waddle and Sylvie, uh, I believe, yesterday. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. He they, they call him up a lot, um, or he calls them one of the way or the other. They you know they they have him on, and oh, yeah. he was. He he made a good couple good points, which one was that um, that the kicking thing is obviously going to be a circus at camp, and I think the worst part about the fact that it's going to be such a circus is that it's it's not going to really tell us anything. I mean, if they only have these two guys to camp, both those two guys are going into the preseason. They're not going to cut one prior to the preseason unless the guy just absolutely shits the bed. And even then, they probably bring somebody else in. They're not going to go into the preseason with one kicker on the roster. What would that be the point of, you know? So you're really not going to know what happens until these guys are kicking in game situations. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think – and then they also brought up – I think it was Greg or maybe Waddle who brought up, you know, that we may see the Bears do some weird things in the preseason, you know, kick in some strange spots, you know, kicking on third down, you know um, – because at the end of the day, again, it's probably not going to be the starters playing in the preseason. So you might as well use all of that at your disposal. But, you know, but Greg also, I think, brought up astutely that maybe it takes some pressure off of Mitch to some degree. But it just depends on how it goes. Because at the end of the day, just like the reason they couldn't bring back Parky, because you can't have those questions dominate everything. I mean, it would have been, you know, that would have been the 10 times the circus is having to answer questions for the entire season, basically until, you know, there was some kind of redemption, but now, you know, they're still going to have to answer questions. I mean, I guarantee you there is going to be a moment in training camp where Nagy's good nature about this kicker thing comes to an abrupt halt. He's going to snap. <laughs> yes. yes. And, Personally, I want Tabor behind the mic taking fucking questions because that guy's Teflon for whatever reason. Yes. On Tabor, uh, you know, he, he he got behind the mic like one time in the mini camps 
you know, it's like, how about you answer some questions, buddy? You're supposed to be your, you know, uh, your job, right? Well, I'm, I'm also hoping, to, I think, well, not hoping, but I'm, uh, I'm interested to see, it's not just about the kicker, who's, who's going to be holding for them? Because I, th- I think it was yeah. Rink that brought up, like, when, when O'Donnell started holding for Robbie, Robbie, that's when Robbie started having problems. Yeah. And, and you look at O'Donnell, you know what I mean? Maybe you should, maybe one of the backup quarterbacks. I don't know who, but I want to see that. Uh, I'm interested to see if there's going to be a change at Holder. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it would be. Scales. Uh, mm. I mean, they're not going to carry a third He's great at everything, right, Jay? I mean, Broniker, you know. If the glove fits, you must use him. I don't Wait, know. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can just take Broniker to OJ Town? <laughs> wow. Whatever works, man. I don't care. Hit the fucking field goal. Period. You know, I'm of the Rex Ryan school of thought. You got one job. Yep. Fucking kick the ball. Yep. Period. Point blank. Yep. So did you get any good feedback on that, that movie that you want to shoot? The Trubisky, who should be the uh, actor that plays him, and Colin. I didn't get a lot. I kind of stalled out on that. I was doing it, and then and then Twitter went down for like an. I don't know if I broke Twitter with that. I, I doubt Twitter. it. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but I uh, it kind of uh, it kind of stalled out. I mean, there were a few suggestions, a lot of weird um, suggestions, uh, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I said Joseph Gordon Levitt. That was the name I was think, trying to think of last week. Yeah, he's too skinny though. Like, no, these dudes—they bulk up for movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like you have to play Superman or some shit. Uh, the only one that I really <laughs> felt like I had hit on was that Kevin Hart would play Tariq Cohen, and really, does it matter? Does it matter who else plays anybody after that? <laughs> I mean, if, if you have a football movie starring Kevin Hart as Tariq Cohen, I'd watch that movie. Like I don't care who else is in it, you know. You like <laughs> Kevin Hart? Yeah, I like Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's alright. We've, we've established that Diddy doesn't actually like any actors. Um, I've yet to find an actor that Diddy does like. Uh, Diddy's response to most actors is meh. I like I like <laughs> Dave, Dave Chappelle's a great comedian. He is, but I don't. Maybe Dave Chappelle could play Eddie Jackson. There you go. <laughs> he's got all. Wow. Chappelle, Chappelle did get all jacked up, so. He did. Chappelle is swole. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> that, would, that would be a pretty funny movie, actually. <laughs> Jared, oh, my God. Guessing in your Bears movie. Well, who would play Roquan? <laughs> who First of all, play? evidently you can't dance, because evidently that's a thing. He doesn't dance well. Mm. Who so, would play Roquan? I think, can, I think you can act like you don't dance. Right. I don't know. Uh, who would play Akeem Hicks? Oof. I just <laughs> the Tracy guy from Morgan. Tracy Morgan as Debo. Debo. Debo out there. <laughs> Ice Cube as Khalil Mack. No, you gotta let you gotta let Akeem play himself. You, <laughs> you gotta put spice in there somewhere too. Right there, you go. Spice Spice Adams. Oh, we're, we're trying to make a football comedy here, huh? Right. It needs to be a total like. Parody. Spice Adams could play Mitch. Oh Spice <laughs> Adams needs to be in a movie, man. He's that dude is hilarious. Like it's just, a, I think it's just a matter of time before he starts doing stuff like that. Sure. Sometimes that type of thing doesn't always translate well to, you know, 
to movies per se. No, he's, he, but he's been on Ballers a couple episodes. Yeah, his characters definitely could. I mean, I'd watch a I'd watch a movie about Vernest. Oh, <laughs> uh, when he that that one skit where he he's taking the groceries in, trying to bring them all in at once, dude, I lost it because I've done that so many, not dropped them, but you always try to bring in all of them. Always try to, and then you and then you get to the door and you realize you can't open the door. <laughs> That's uh, the best. Yeah. And, and you, you gotta got, throw a leg up. Yeah, and you're awkwardly trying to put them down. Some shit goes rolling out the bags. It's no good. So I don't mean to fizzle out on the Mitch thing, but I mean Diddy, you kind of lost your steam a little bit. You you got you drinking the Schofield Kool Aid. No, I brought up what I had to bring up about the draft position and all that stuff. I mean, I dude, I'm not a hater. <laughs> I'm I'm a Bears fan. No, I'm I just know. Being, I'm but... just being I'm just being cautious, man. Like right. I've been here before. Has all the potential in the world. Right. But, uh, but but this this is different. This is different. We're, he's 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 set up to succeed like I've never seen a quarterback set up. In Chicago, so I, I really have high hopes for him. It's just I don't want to get way up here. Like I'm trying to keep it medium because you know what I mean. Like you've seen so much failure at the position. Of course. I'm, I'm just I'm just even keel on it. I think I my heart of hearts. I think he's gonna be great. Here's the things to me that don't matter. It doesn't matter that he was the number two overall pick to me. That's in the past. Mm. I don't think it matters because. It matters. Well, when it comes to that dollar dollar bill, son. Yes, it does. But I also, I also think that he's not a guy who's super motivated by money. I don't, I don't really think that he's gonna, you know, be a guy who's looking to be the highest paid quarterback, you know. But by the time his court, you know, by the time his contract comes up, I mean, let's be honest, you know, the the. Top, uh, you know, like a seven, eight, nine, ten guys going to be making thirty plus million dollars a year. I mean, that's the reality. You know, well, it's, to see what Dak Prescott gets. It's not so much about about the. It does it does matter to our franchise though, in the in the in the sense that Pace put all his chips in on this kid, and I think we we all have so much faith in Pace at this point, and this, this is another piece to that. Build, building more faith in him is knowing that he he went all in on this kid. This kid, in my mind, is going to be great, but I also think he needs to be great. Not not only from Pace going all in with him, but also with the fact that the talent he has around him, these are NFL players. They have egos. They were all cool. They know Mitch is developing last year. But, I mean, that that um, that Brett Coleman tape, he was like, he, he cost Anthony Miller about 300 yards. On the, mm-hmm. on the film he watched, like these guys want to get paid too, and they're gonna want to get fed. And th- at some point, they, they're they're all buying in with Mitch, and I think they expect him to be great. Also, I mean, not I'm not saying top quarterback in the league great, but there's there's a lot of firepower here, and eventually those guys are wanna gonna want to start putting up those those numbers. It's gonna happen. So I I think he needs to definitely take steps forward. And oh, he's got to take steps eventually. forward. Yeah, there can't I mean, be. There's no doubt about that. I just and it's not. I, I guess it doesn't. Him being the number two overall pick matters, but I don't know if it matters in terms of his evaluation as much because no. if he keeps like, winning, I just, nobody's like, gonna care. Right. I mean, you know, it, 
it, it even you know and no matter how he keeps winning i mean you know yeah, i mean right. if 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 it if it keeps happening that he sucks and the defense has to bail him out every single week that's a different story but honestly right. i don't i don't really see that happening because number one i feel like we have a good enough coaching staff that that's not going to happen um you it's know, just not selfish gonna... to me i just want that guy that when he's in we know we're good you know what i mean i want that like he other teams right. fear this guy like that. I've never really had that as a Bears fan. So like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And right. I'm not saying I'm right, but that's just, this. that's just, no, how you're right. You're right. And then, and you should want that. And I mean, I think if the, you know, and, and the number of times the bears have had the number two overall pick is not very often. So certainly you would hope that if they're going to use it on a the quarterback, they get, they get it right. I'm just right. saying exactly. in terms of how you evaluate him, if, if, if that keeps being, part of the criteria i just don't know how relevant it is that's all i mean just win baby just fucking win baby right and i don't care all these packer fans talking shit about oh he's rated 20th on madden motherfucker when we went 12 and 4 y'all finished third in the division with your top rated quarterback or whatever they don't have much to hang their hat on no it's all about poking it's all about poking the champ Guess right. what? Keep poking, motherfucker. Keep right. poking. So, so I keep talking. The only reason Green Bay is title town is because it's a tiny fucking town. So a couple of titles fill it all the way up. Like, but having said that, it's, <laughs> there's it's not a good. lot of titles. <laughs> the back and forth is good for the rivalry, though. And yeah, it, it's, it, it, football's better when both teams are doing well. It just the, the rivalry is, is, is a thing. And to, to be able to, we're starting to get that back now. So good. Let them talk shit. It's, it's, more entertaining and fire back at him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, amongst, I mean, if we're talking about Twitter, obviously the, the Detroit Lions fans are lunatics. They don't make any sense. They like, I don't even want to engage with them because they're so out there. The Vikings fans don't say anything. I mean, like I can't remember the last time I saw a Vikings tweet about anything. Um, like they just, I don't know if it's a Minnesota thing or if they just know they have Kirk Cousins, so they probably shouldn't talk that much um, or what it is, but they don't say a lot. And, that Wi-Fi. Yeah, maybe. You know, and the Packers, fans, the Packers fans chirp a lot, you know, because there's obviously nothing going on where they live. And, uh, you know, they, they, they do at least have something that they can hang their hat on and, you know, old man 12. It's kind of funny. Maybe the roles have reversed where we had been that fan base that's been poking at it for so long. And the Packers fans are just like, yeah, look at you guys. Whatever. Well, yeah, like how are we viewed by other people, man? We're, we could. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, for real, fuck the Packers. Absolutely. Well, we're viewed as, the, as I'm sure we're viewed as the fan base that gets a little bit of success and goes buck wild with it. I mean, that's how we're viewed, you know, they, you know, and obviously they're, they're, we're viewed as a strong fan base, a, a, an avid fan base, one that moves the needle on a lot of levels, whether it's ticket sales or viewership or, you know, whatever the case may be. But at the same time, we get a little bit of, you know, something and we get real, real hyped about it, you know, and so be it. I mean, I think I would say that the hype is probably 40% Mac 
30% naggy, and then the rest kind of a mix of Trubisky and the rest of the offensive pieces. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what, what for me took the hype over the top was getting Mac. I mean, that's, you know, and now it's kind of funny. Like, he's almost like an afterthought. Like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we do have him. <laughs> like, we do have one of the five, you know, I'm talking about Madden. We do have one of the 599 guys on there. That is true. And, you know, so I just feel like there's, you know, there's so many players with the arrow pointing up on the bears that I, that's something I don't remember being the case is that you literally have players up and down both sides of the ball where the arrow is pointed firmly up. And I mean, shit, if you're not going to get hyped about that. Well, know, Amos is an 87 and Haas an 80. So that means that it's like, come shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a debate. I mean, you know, men. I'm no, what I'm saying men. is, you know that God I, I, just I, lace them up. Yeah, but and let's bu- just go out and kick their ass and. But be what I'm done. saying is that that Bukaki dude actually does a podcast for <laughs> Locked On Packers, and like, you're actually using that as a basis for your argument, dude. Like, well, you, you're, I mean, you're a blue just, check mark, bro. Like, he what just the hell are you talking himself, about? He just exposed himself, like so bad by oh, going to the well like it's just like it's like really like you really had to you know but he just can't resist whatever's trending he's gonna jump in the fray give some attention yeah exactly i mean you know Packers just, fans are probably like this dude don't know what he's talking about so he wants to go mess with some bears fans. that's that's why he's cocky because he just sprays all over the place <laughs> it's just hot garbage garbage goggles Loads everywhere. Garbage. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't use his real name because no, I'm not that. gonna. I'm not gonna dignify that with the. With That's this. correct. Yep. Uh, is, I think we found the title for this episode. After. <laughs> no, I don't. We need to talk to HR about that one. HS. Let's can we call the HR department. Uh, if you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. The number oh, you have dialed is incorrect. And I appreciate all, all the time you've given the podcast, too, with all the work you're doing in the swag shop, man. I mean, are you uh, nice. you, still, you silk screening over there or what? A uh, little silk screening, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, loom work. Uh, <laughs> loom. <laughs> I do some macrame, some crochet, a little uh, cross-stitch little you know just whatever whatever gets it done i'm gonna oh, be taking good. taking some uh some some afghans that i've knitted to the uh down to market oh, later that's... hoping to trade them for some milk <laughs> <laughs> just gotta keep the family fed guys you know what i mean just gotta keep the family fed. you guys are fucked up man wow <laughs> i love it i love i love work i'm a you working man do you want me to run some news yeah, it's breaking news. Diddy's news desk. It's time for Diddy's news desk. It's the hottest. It's the breakingest. It's, it's the Diddy's this week in Bears football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, that video of Devin Hester's rookie season, the highlight video, was awesome. Um, that, that came out recently. Hester's son with the skills, too. You guys saw that? Mm-hmm. That was hype. It was, man. And uh, you got the uh, 
Nagy saying that we can't become complacent in that in the interview he did on Sirius that uh holds true in my mind. Um, Waiting for news. Right. No, the Bears are doing that. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the off season here. It's the doldrums. What else you got? Did he keep it cranking? Keep it going. The the, the HMD news desk will not hold no. up. Put him. I think he's on mute. Yeah, are you on mute? He's on mute like a tar. And I'm on mute. <laughs> Skype oh. is. I need a little current affair. <laughs> Got the anchor man. Got the anchor man thing going on. She put me on mute. That's the whole. No, the, the, the return. Uh, the return. They're doing that celebration event in Decatur. Um, That's interesting. All the proceeds benefit the Staley Museum uh, with outdoor activities, panels. Um, kind of some like a downscale version of the 100 celebration, basically. It's, it's Where is this? Cool. I didn't even hear about this. Where is this yeah. happening? Decatur. Decatur. Staley's baby. The Decatur Civic Center on July 21st. Shit. Hey, maybe they'll sell VIP tickets, Diddy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is happening on July 21st? Adam Rank at the Beat Kitchen here in hey. Chicago. Maybe maybe you'll show up, Jer. Maybe Ooh. Jer will show up. Ooh, maybe. Whatever, I wish dude. I could. Yeah, whatever. Could have all been chilling, but no. Listen, I don't see you. Don't be there. I don't. I didn't see you uh, chartering a plane. There, getting the getting the Quinn helicopter. Oh, you're talking about the Bears 100. That's what he's yeah. talking about. He's still like two conversations back. Yeah, man. I heard. Uh, and I'm the slow one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here in a cornfield in Indiana. Well, speaking of our favorite trade candidate, Golden Tate. Um, he did. He came out and, and said that Matt Stafford was the best quarterback he'd ever played with. That's an interesting piece of uh, news. Wow. And he's played with uh, Russell Wilson. That's true. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Mina Kimes was on uh, on ESPN radio today, and she's well, like. I mean, he got his best stats probably with Stafford, right? Well, yeah, he was. it was him and. <laughs> the, he, he increased his value there. I mean, it's it was probably more of an answer of who's helped me most of my career. But you know what? They did trade him. He Fuck got yeah, traded yeah. again too. I know that's crazy, right? Crazy, crazy. Golden Tate trade. Time to fuck us. <laughs> I, I, I need a minute. I think he's gonna have a good season. I think it, it, it you know, for fantasy. It's not a. That's a good late round or later round pickup for receivers. Tate. I think he's gonna have a good oh, season. Yeah, Eli's so nasty. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you. I will go on record that Tate has a thousand yards next season. Mhm. Well, when you lose a, when you also throw a lot when you're down. So that, that's possible. That's true. Yeah. They. They uh, they rated uh, speaking of Madden they rated Jabril Peppers higher than Landon Collins. Wow. <laughs> the safety that the Giants let go for the safety that they that they got in return on the OBJ trade. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of weird. Another another Madden genius. 
Peter Madden Genius. What else you got? Did you got any other hot news off the hot desk? Off the... Uh, yeah, I think I missed out on a lot, actually, because I was muted. Uh, Trubisky's got that bird ride scooter company thing going on. People are all nervous because they don't want him to, like, fall off the damn thing at training camp. But yeah, that, that came out. Other than that, training camp's coming up. You're going, right? Yeah, I'm going to go on the 29th. Oh, it's a Monday. Are you going? Second day of camp. I'm try to, yes. All right. Can you guys videotape it? We will do Would our like, best. Yeah, we'll sneak <laughs> in there. I'll I'll rent a ghillie suit. Yeah, we'll like the, I think I just think it's this is probably the worst first year for me to go because I just think it's going to be insane. If it's anything, a fraction of what the 100 year celebration was, I just, I think it's going to be super crowded this year. We'll see. I mean, that, that's one of the things about it being in Bourbon A that I think keeps it, you know, I don't think it's going to be that insane. Like, I think it'll be, I think, you know, uh, you've been more than me, Jer. What do you think? You think it's going to be like nuts? I don't, I mean. I can't, I, the, <laughs> not like I would not want to be, I would not want to be a kicker. I will tell I, you that. Right. Well, it, Cutler made it nuts, right? Uh, yeah, from what Bragg says, that was pretty crazy. This is Cutler. a lot bigger. This is a lot bigger than Cutler. What just happened last season? Yes and no, but I mean, what are we watching? The cooker thing? No, no. I'm just saying for the fans, this is a lot of a this, coming off the season is a much bigger moment than when we got Jay. This the the excitement level. Uh, for sure. The, you know so. I'm just saying, like, coming coming to Bourbon A to see training camp is not like going to Chicago to see the Bears 100 with all those Hall of Famers and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, Plus, you've I got mean, some famous podcasters showing up. I mean, that's right, always going to yeah, bring in the crowd. So. Famous podcasters. That's like an oxymoron. Yeah, Hogan, Hogan Johns are supposed to do one, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hogan, Hogan Johns is the best. There, and Fishbane will be there, and Biggs will be there, and all the main people, you know. I think I'm still blocked by Biggs. Me too. We had a. Uh, it's a good rough club. Go. We, <laughs> we had a rough go there. I didn't say much. He just had this. He had a piece of paper underneath his neck, and somebody took a picture of it. And I said, "What is Biggs wearing? A bib?" <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was it. Swap. Yeah, Block, yeah. Bitch. He just had like a notebook paper. It looked like a bib. Like yeah, dude, I, like I, he was ready, ready to eat at the buffet. Wow. <laughs> Uh, got me blocked. I think I had a whole tirade after when I got blocked to him. It wasn't pretty. It was fat on fat crime. That good cold. <laughs> good old Big Z. He's a dandy. He's, he, he's not out there, you know, he's not out there breaking rules. He's a rule follower, and that's all right. Yeah, speaking you know, of rankings, that was back in the day of rankings, JR, and all that BS. <laughs> He knows when he's he knows where his biscuits are buttered. Oh. Where is So what were you, what were you saying, AA? My uh sorry, the news thing kind right. of took its own spiral. That's over, but right. you, you Kitty's your mute bo- news. <laughs> Brought to you by Helen Keller. <laughs> what the heck? She's not a mute. <laughs> yes, she is. She's a blind deaf mute. History history books are different in the cornfields. Um she was a mute? Yes. Go look it up. Google that shit. Nah. (laughs) That was Jared's joke of the week. 
Dun, 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 dun. Go ahead, man. I don't. I'm, <laughs> you were gonna ask me something Hel- before. Helen Keller like, ruined the whole freaking moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know if that was the. I don't know if that was the Trubisky summit that we had uh, envisioned. That we kind of envisioned like a cage match. But uh, I would. I have to say that. Uh, Brett Coleman's video and Schofield's general post fucking brought it, didn't he? Brought it as as we knew he would, and the yeah. guy's a pro's pro. It's also good to hear a non-biased opinion about our team that they they don't right. have any hate or mm-hmm. crazy love for it. They're just they're just out there giving solid opinions without trying to push narratives or trying to. It, it, you know, there's Bears fans that break down stuff, but they're coming from a place where they're a Bears fan. So it's nice to, it's refreshing to hear people's takes that are not off, way off the reservation. They're, they're, they're just brutally honest and they make sense. Right. Yeah. I agree, 100. percent I mean, it's not tainted by any fandom nope. um, at all. I mean, and you know, so, uh, and that's what I think. You know, I mean, even though. Trubisky is obviously who he is. He's polarizing at this point. I think hopefully he's not going to give fans a reason to dislike him outside of play or performance. You know what I mean? But that would be nice is if we can just, you know, judge him on the field. And, you know, I mean, the, I, I, I mean we, we're saying Trubisky's polarizing, but in the grand scheme of things, he's really not that polarizing. I mean, think about what you, not personality, not personality, Jay Cutler polarizing period in gameplay personality. Right. But when Trubisky the, is not that when the bears got him, there were very few people that didn't think that was a great, that was a great deal for them. And I'm call, I mean, Brett Coleman said a lot of things in his video. I, I wrote a ton of them down, but I'm not going to sit here and try to go through them all. But the, the thing that kind of stuck out to me, he said he's a master at digging the team out of holes because he's he's a fantastic under pressure. He's also the one who digs half of those holes. Right. He also said he was like the toughest guy he ever, he, he can't even project them. Like he's never been there with a player before where he's just too hard to project because it's so inconsistent. So that th- there is, th- there is polarizing things about Mitch. Like it's, it's a, it's a great I mean it's it's off season so it's it's great to be able to go back and forth on it all but I, I expect greatness but there there's a lot of thing it's it's wild man it's a little bit of a, like a Mitchell coaster type deal Mhm and and we wrote it all year I mean from the six touchdowns to the you know to Oh to that Tampa games. game ruined me man that potential in that game I'm just like I want to see like I told you I've said it many times like imagine if we see this like 3 4 weeks in a row like it, it was insane yeah, I mean, I'm tempering my expectations in terms of big stat statistical outputs. I don't, I am, as much as I, I see all the weapons on offense and, you know, I don't, I don't see a 30, 30 all, touchdowns. Yes or no. For Mitch total touchdowns. 30 passing, passing touchdowns. Thrown, he yes. should. He should. Yes, yes, absolutely. He should just for the sheer fact should, of playing do you 16 think he will? games. Yes. If he plays yeah. all 16 games, 100%, he will have 30 touchdowns. Well, what's that, six more than over. he had last year? Why not? Yeah, I will. I believe he will throw for over 4,000 yards. I believe that he will have somewhere around the same amount of picks. I don't think he's. 
Um, I think it's just the type of picks. I was going to say that with Schofield. There were some picks that were very questionable, you know, strange decisions, you know, like really, and Coleman talks about it, but, you know, just, uh, and then there were a few times where he, you know, like he threw the ball and got away with it and didn't have a terrible pick where he probably should have. Yeah, those those almost picks don't count. I get that, but they don't they, count. But they're, 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 they still go. There were some that were there for the taking. Yeah, and they still go against his overall judgment of his decision making. I mean, they don't. No, they don't count. But you know, you still have to look at them and go, "What the hell was that throw?" Exactly. You know, I mean, and, and that's that's why they do count in a certain way. I mean, they don't. What what I what drives me crazy about the supposed almost interceptions is when we're talking about a game that they won and then people are going, well, you know, I mean, you want to talk about right. it in a game they lose. That's fine. In our division, he, he keeps the, the least yardage out of the quarterbacks in our division and the most picks, which I, when I looked at that, I'm like, okay, there's, he needs there. He needs to grow. You know what I mean? But I, I think he's, I mean, out of our division, especially, I think he's got the most potential going forward. Those guys are getting older. And I think, I think, uh, I think we're in a good place, man, but there, there definitely needs to be a lot of growth this season. I think this is that microscope season. Like, put them under a microscope. This is, is going to tell us a lot. Hey, yeah, I mean, like as I said, let's go for it. I, I want to see the offense become, you know, consistent, where they go out and they and they can move the ball in lots of different ways. And, and you know, and I think that they're going to do that, you know. I mean, as we've said before, it's not like Nagy didn't try to run the ball. He tried to run the ball a lot. It just didn't work out. So I still think they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I agree. I, mean, I don't. I don't look at this. This. This is not, and nor should it be, a team where Mitch throws the ball forty times a game, basically ever. No, I think. <laughs> I think we're going to get more production, a lot more production out of our run game. Um, so I also. I also think we're going to be putting better position on, on returns. I mean, we got like four guys that could maybe five guys that could actually return like, right. And then hopefully the blocking comes together. Right. And the, you know, and the kickoff coverage. Oh, I don't think those rookies coming in. I mean, the, I'm sure that was factored into the decision on, on drafting them too. They have to earn their spots and they're, they're probably going to be putting the fire there too. So hopefully it's definitely needs to be improved. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I think we did the damn thing, boys. You got anything else? Well, we have a sponsor. We do have a sponsor. Thanks for reminding me. We have our good friends over at Tix Blitz. I always uh, remind your ass. Come on, bro. Well, that's <laughs> kind of our deal. Yeah, that's, uh, we we were, <laughs> that's, our, that's our shtick at this point. Um, hey, guys. Hey, how about that there sponsor? Uh, um, you can get any event you want, any tickets you want, and just go on there. It's real quick. No service fees. They got anything you're looking for. Uh, you just go on it, and simple as can be, get your tickets, get into Bears games, Bears preseason games. Um, check out our sister show, Haltech Hall. Uh, we are going to be giving away some preseason tickets. Um 
And then Michael has said that if we get to 500 followers before the season starts, then we'll probably pull the trigger on some regular season tickets. So there's a little incentive there. I think we're at like 220 followers right now on Haltech Hall. So if you have not gone over and checked out that Twitter site uh, and that show, it's more focused on history. Um, this past week, we looked at the the Bears had chosen the greatest moments uh, in Bears history. Um, so we kind of dove into those a little bit. Um, and some cool radio clips and things like that. So that's fun. Um, just a little hey, tickets to the gun tickets to the gun show. Right. Those are available. Um, <laughs> he's flexing and I almost feel bad for the camera. Yeah. <laughs> tickets to the gun show, please. Well, I was going to say tickets you know to the gun show with... in Southwest Indiana, but I didn't want to hit on you again. Know, damn right, baby. You know what goes good with meatballs is noodles. And Diddy just put his noodles up. <laughs> Bro, I, I was going to say Southwest Indiana, the gun show, because Jerry keeps leaning back like this. Like, hey, man. Uh, Jerry, are you really in Southwest Indiana? I am in Southwest Indiana. I am literally less than... 20 minutes from the Kentucky border. Holy crap. That's I know. Like that's like out. You can feel the stupid coming from Kentucky. That's like outlaw country down there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that's that's it's, a it's wild west. And the weather report from southwest Indiana, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. So back to TickSplits.com. <laughs> Did you know that if you go on TickSplits.com, you can use the promo code TAILGATE and get yourself 5% off your ticket order that's on TickSplits.com. Sounds great, man. Schofield was awesome guest. Thank you, Mark. Great yes, stuff. thank you, Mark. Check him out on Pro Football Weekly. Uh, Pro Football Weekly also has a very good podcast with Hub and Arthur Arkish. I like uh, He's going to hear stuff. the rest of this show, and he's going to be like, nope. Fuck those off season. Yeah, it's a tailgate. It's yeah. a tailgate show, baby. Goldfield's been on some interesting shows. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll <laughs> be just fine. Um, Great guy, though. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, classed up the joint. No, no doubt. Brought that heavy duty four one one. All right, so that's it, boys. We did the damn thing. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the interaction. Um, and fuck you guys. And fuck <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and bears. Uh, tailgate show. The tailgate show. Uh,